today on Between the Fur, we have the legendary, legendary, and I repeat that because it is truly legendary, uh, this, this figure right here, Tim Dirk, the original coyote for the Spurs. And, uh, but before we get started, I do want to give a little shout out here to my sponsors because that uh, really helps us out. We appreciate them. Today's episode is sponsored by Cool Properties. If you're headed to Las Vegas for a family or corporate outing and want a different experience, if you want to avoid the crowds, traffic, and chaos, you know what I'm talking about. Check out Cool Properties in Mesquite, Nevada, about an hour and a half outside Las Vegas. They offer a variety of property rentals, just minutes away from two world-class golf courses and luxury resorts. Full access to pools, hot tubs, gyms, and they are all located at the clubhouse. Bring the family, huh, or not, rest easy with cool properties. Click the link below for more details. As a professional mascot, one of the hardest things is finding creative props and toys to use while you're performing. It's hard unless you visit the store at GameOps.com. My friends over at GameOps.com have dozens of mascot-related products. Okay, here's an example. You're working on a proposal skit. They have a giant engagement ring prop to make the joke even bigger. There's plenty more at the store, so visit the store, GameOps.com, and take a look. It's awesome, man. They have everything. Check it out. Tim. We're back, brother. Now, are you, when we talk, are you Ken? Are you uh, a particular care, Ken, who used <laughs> to be particular care? I've always been really careful. I've had your back for a long time. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate How do you that. want me to go here? Okay. So there's, there's, uh, I, I appreciate the question. Okay, uh, we've had to do a lot of bleeping in the in the past here, and you know, even though things are changed for me right now, uh, the the anonymity is still an okay. a, a, a thing. So, you know, hey, look, if anybody digs too much, you know, anything's out uh, there. But what at the same time, the legend, and I'm like, oh, the legend. <laughs> I mean, are they going to understand? that you are a legend or should i just let that go hey you know what we we talk about and we can infer and we t and and tell stories okay. and things like that i just there's a oh, there's a okay you know i like to keep it uh just above it'll board on all that you can yeah. watch me tap dance around it'll be fun yes yes <laughs> okay uh but you know what it's really good to have you on here man we go we go back and i tell you what when i was just a young uh, i i was about to say pup no little kitten in the league uh i'm telling you it uh was a real pleasure to learn from this guy okay way back i was very fortunate to get on the team plane and go down to San Antonio, go behind the scenes with the Coyote, which was one of the first NBA mascots. Really, there was there wasn't a whole lot out there, and you know, was there anybody before you? Uh, I. <laughs> I mean, it's so it, long ago. I mean, even the license plates back then i remember my first license plate had roman numerals on it i mean it was a, it was a long time ago but i i want to say the phoenix gorilla and the spurs coyote were got to be have been pretty close right but 
And that's before Bob. That's before Bob we're talking. This is the original, original gorilla, which was a whole different story. Youth minister, great guy. Uh, But before that, there might have been some mascotting going on, but it, it didn't reach any volume of any sort. It started out as a wild, wild west of just entertaining for the sheer fun of it mm-hmm. into where we all of a sudden were having mascot conferences in Las Vegas and guys were bringing in leather briefcases along with their whoopee cushions. It was like, how did this happen? Right. And you were a part of that whole growth. It was fascinating. Isn't that, uh, you know, it, it, speaking of the wild west, isn't that just the way it was? It really, I, 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 we refer to it like that all the time. And it really was a time of making stuff up. Oh, it no was, rules. I except, call it MacGyver. Yeah. You just look around there. We had to do sometimes six, sometimes uh, if the game went at overtime, nine timeouts a game in a single game. Oh, now, yeah. that's unheard of. Right. So by the time you're at your sixth bit, you know, you're looking around the room going, all right, there's a paper clip, a can of paint. Ooh, <laughs> there's a dead mouse there in the arena. Well, all right, what could we do if we painted the mouse blue and put the paper clip in his lip like he was smoking? <laughs> I mean, you just started grabbing. It was... Um, it was just amazing improv theater. <laughs> I, it was. It was. I remember moments like that. And, and and some of the stuff you did was just really taking that painted mouse to the next <laughs> level and presenting it in a way that it looked like you had planned it for a week. You know, I mean, really. And, and, and yet people knew that it was just spontaneous. You know, just the, the stuff that you were doing. And, and, and I loved your personality. You know, when you were, uh, when you were performing, your improv, your spontaneity was spot on. And then before that, in the planning, in the conversations and everything, I noticed that you were just thinking like way, way over here, you know, and then reeling it back in going, okay, now how do we apply that into a game? All right. It's, so it's funny how uh, people that have really performed a lot of improv, you say it's amazing how much preparation really goes into improvisation. Meaning, in order to react, uh, it's like a stand-up comedian who has a a five-minute set, and he's going to tell those jokes, and he's done it for years, and he's really good, but he's interacted with the crowd that he's working with every night too. So he has a whole nother five minute set that he can react to if someone in the audience is from Toledo or someone yells out the word tornado randomly. He's got all this stuff. It's it's not necessarily going to be used. And if it is used, it's going to seem totally improv. Like he had a whole bit about the word tornado. How is that possible? Well, he has a whole library of comebacks for audience hecklers or whatever it is in his stand-up routine, which that is part of his entertainment. Yeah, which is, I think, a combination of of 
spontaneity, planning, timing, and add in experience. Because you can't, a lot of that stuff you can't get with, uh, without experience. And then I'll add one more word. I'm going to call it naivete. <laughs> we would go out with the intentions of doing a certain skit. It's going to go a certain way. I've got this improv. It's perfect. And it would just be like, is this my con? Like, it wouldn't work at all. And there was just something in the mascot world where it was like, we would just shrug our shoulders and move on to the next. If we weren't going to paint the mouse, then we found a raccoon in a trash can and put spray in his hair and made him look <laughs> pretty with lashes. I mean, we just kept going and going and going. Uh, yeah. And eventually, if you do like you said with experience, is you end up sort of entertaining. You're not worried about entertaining the crowd so much as you're just entertaining yourself. So inside the suit or whatever, you're thinking, well, I think this is funny. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's the real beauty of it is because I always tell their mascots when I do consulting now is that if you have fun, they'll have fun. Meaning if you enjoy so yourself right. in the costume, trust me, the crowd will feel it. They can smell it. it we'll all end up having fun, but you got to have fun first. That resonates with me so much. That's I'm telling my sons that constantly. Have fun. I people that I consult, you're you're dead on. If you're having fun, most like people, it's like laughing. Yeah, you know, it's contagious. It's contagious. I'll tell you one time though, I was having fun, and it was crickets. I I went out there and I thought, you know what? It it would be so funny to uh, bring out this Nerf bow and arrow. It was a it was a yeah. bow and arrow, you know. And uh, I brought out a contestant that uh, was, I was going to shoot the apple off their head. And I kind of stood them next to the referee, just, you know, on happenstance, you know. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay, pull it back. I'm going to hit the apple off the contestant here or the fan or whoever it was. And every time I'd pull it, I'd, I'd pull it to the side there and I'd get the referee right in the chest. Isn't you know, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Let me try that again. Okay, I was dying inside because <laughs> I'm shooting this referee. That went over like a lead balloon. That's another interesting twist, too. It would be the same with the stand of a comedian, too, is the bit that worked one night in one city, the next night, all of a sudden, it's like nothing. And it's the crowd is different at the basketball game, for example, where we were entertaining. Um, there was different local news that had just occurred that might affect the flavor of what you're doing. From uh, an Isaac Newton skit in your head was a shooting skit when it, it, that was inappropriate because of what you didn't even know you were at the arena and something happened at five o'clock on the news. So that's a little like too yeah, soon. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't know. Um, it, that's why it's a wild, wild west. Cause we had to take so many chances that to do so many bits that eventually you were going to uh, 
mock some woman who's pregnant about to have a baby and then find out she wasn't pregnant at all. <laughs> That's just like the word. And you think, how could that happen? That happens when you're doing six bits a night for 10 years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you're not going to bet a thousand. No. So you just try to limit, not necessarily the number of mistakes, but the magnitude of the mistakes that you make. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the, yeah, the magnitude is, boy, some kind, sometimes and can really added, come back and uh, bite you. As we matured in the mascot industry, that also, you, you were witness to this, the amazing phenomenon and growth of what we would call a plant. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many skits out there, so many bits, so many marriage proposals that went awry. I put uh, quotes on uh, around the word awry. And, and so many unbelievably spontaneous things that happened that were not spontaneous at all. And we're either uh, body doubles or complete plants in the crowd that in the beginning, the crowd wasn't as uh, as learned as they are now. As so they, privy. Yeah, they yeah. would just fall for everything. Everything. You could plant people everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now everybody's question, you got to be really on point if you're going to use a fan. I was doing some game up in Antarctica or somewhere. No, it's actually... <laughs> Rockford, Illinois, but it might as well be in Antarctica. <laughs> Same it's thing in the middle of the winter. 11, yeah, it was 11 below zero. And I uh, was doing a game, and my mom had uh, lived in Chicago at the time. So it was one of her first times to go watch her boy entertain at, with another basketball team. So she drove up just about an hour away from Chicago to see me. So I came on on the court, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, God. How many times do you have a chance to have your own mother at a game? There's got to be something here. There's some painted mouse that something that what I could do with do? my what mom. Yeah, but I just continued doing my rolodex of bits, just like a stand-up comedian. And then oh, I looked over at my mom, and she's always considered herself a little bit of a princess. So she had on this most a beautiful full-length fur coat because it was so cold right and i thought oh my god there it is so i just went over and gave my mom a hug while the camera was on me and then i ripped her coat off her chair brought it out on the court and looked at it and looked at myself and saw that we were both fur and i just started lamenting over the death of this coat and then I set it down on the court and started to give it mouth to mouth and CPR. And out of the side of my head, I could hear my mother in like the second row saying, "You bring that back, Timothy." <laughs> <laughs> and she always called me Timothy when I was really in trouble. <laughs> but then I got home later after the game, and the the coat resuscitation was on ESPN Play of the Day. All. New York Times, blah, 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 blah. And it was just that I saw a blue mouse. I mean, I looked at my mom at there. She was, she had the coat on 
I just had to go for it. That's just, you just end up doing that. And then all of a sudden a decade passes. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Ah, amazing. <laughs> I, I just remember my mom, one of the first games that she came to, she, uh, all I got from her after the game was, Ken, okay, that was such a fun game, but do you have to, like, if I guess make it, 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 one suggestion, um, I just, I, I, I don't really like it when you lift your leg on the ball. A balance beam and a tutu? <laughs> that was your big She's thing. like, why do you lift your leg on the basketball? <laughs> yeah. I'm just walking by. <laughs> you know what? What would a dog do? Yeah. Exactly. Come on. One thing my finally my uncle got to see a Spurs game that I was doing one year. And he is oh just an incredible modest guy, but he's won the silver star and whatever is the second highest award you can get when the u.s is not at wartime in the army he's a full bird colonel just handsome rugged jaw 90 push-ups but doesn't say anything just a just a great guy and, and a hero of mine so he got to see me do a game and you could tell after the game, he was like, that was great. And it was really entertaining. But, it, you know, you can't impress a guy like that too much. So we get back to the house and I'm lifting my gear out of my car into the garage. And he ends up picking up the trash bag that has my suits in it that I wore that night. Uh -huh. And he goes to lift it with one hand. And he's like, oh, geez. And he, and he needs two hands. And he's like, what do you have in here? And I said, oh, no, those are just the suits, the little lightweight suits that I wear. And he's like, it's so heavy. <laughs> so I said, well, that's my sweat. I mean, there's about <laughs> 12, 14 pounds of perspiration in there. He, the soldier was so impressed. I mean, he understood it immediately what kind of taxing physical evening that must have been in order to equal this amount of moisture loss. And that's when I thought, oh, if I can impress that guy. Yeah. That means yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, one thing I loved and learned from you, uh, I, you know, and, and, and I was always very active during games in college before I got to the NBA. Man, I, you know, you run, 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 run. And in college, it's just, Hey, you run around and hey, they're happy. You know, you know, you know, heck, you could raise one arm and ah, I yeah, love you. Yeah. <laughs> Raised his arm. Look at that. You know, and so, <laughs> um, but uh, it, you know, when I got to the NBA and it, it got a little bit more, you know, hey, you, people need to be entertained. It, you have to step it up a, a a little bit. You know, I got to where I. Uh, boy, everything, I, everything had to hit everything, you know, any, all my energy had to be very well spent. And, uh, you know, it was, I had to take it to the next level, not just in my energy, but in my entertainment, which 
took more energy. Okay. So in my opinion, um, so not only was it a physical thing at that point, it was much more of a mental game for me. And, you know, I, I, what I loved when I come to, when I came to visit you the first time, you worked the whole game. I mean, you worked the crowd. If you didn't have something on the court or a promotion, you were still working. You weren't back in the back chilling and, you know, having some Gatorade, which Gatorade had just come out back then. But just kidding. Um, you, know, you were on, you were working from, from pregame to postgame. It was go time. And, you know, that, that really impressed me about you. And, but I knew that's what it took to be at that level, you know? There's no slack. And when I first started, I actually, man, to think of that now, now you have, we'll call it, uh, mascotting has been Disney proofed. It's 20 minutes in costume, 20 minutes out maximum. You can't, there's no hour and a half parades at the Poteet Strawberry Festival when it's over a hundred anymore, like we did. Right. But back in the beginning, I wanted to have the coyote there as much as possible so that he became a, as much a part of the team as anyone else. Yeah. Same reason I wanted to wear as much fur as possible, even though I knew that meant it was going to be super hot. Because I wanted you to think of it as a coyote, not as a guy in a coyote suit right so i would go out oftentimes like you said before the games uh dress up as julia chayote which is julia child and i <laughs> right. would just hand out chocolate chip cookies to the people as they came in dressed in an apron and going in my head going oh, oh, making a julia child sound in my head <laughs> i I didn't have to be out there. It wasn't planned, but I just wanted it to be there. Yeah. And oftentimes before the games, I'd all the time I'd, in the beginning, I'd be on there during the national anthem. And I remember sitting, standing there with my hand over my coyote's heart for two or three minutes while they sing it. And you could just see drip, drip, yeah. drip, the sweat just drip. And you'd have to question now you you've got to pick your spots a little better but we didn't either know enough then or we were prepared to take the physical price in order to make this a more serious part of enter the entertainment scene yeah and, and it was it was also i think back then we were also trying to make um a, a point as well. It was so new. Mascotting was so new that, you know, we were trying to give it some validity. Yep. You know, like our, what we, what we do. Go ahead. We had to prove ourselves. Yeah. I mean, uh, my name at first was down in front. I mean, that's all I heard. And I had one of the Spurs players uh, bump into me with a, a, a door and, and he looked at me for the first time, as right as I was beginning the county, he said, get out of my way, reindeer. <laughs> and, you know, it was just, we got 25 bucks a game. There was just, it was so 
it was this close to being a mime. Yeah. You know, you were, you really had to work to get the legitimacy. So it was funny that we were doing this entertainment and you have the, the goal of entertaining the people that are in front of you, you would hope. But you also, we had the goal of entertaining and proving ourselves to our very own teams that we represented. Because mm-hmm. at the beginning, half the administrative team uh, side of the basketball team were like, no, this, we don't need this. It's not going to fly. It'll never last. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it even more amazing that it's become what it has. It's remarkable. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you something I've experienced, and I wasn't going to get into this, but it really makes me think, you know, internationally, it's still kind of the Wild West. So this summer, I've been very fortunate enough to travel with Scott Hessington, who's been working a lot of, you know, uh, these international um, venues and, and, and organizations. And it's it's really kind of been it's been a lot of fun to step back in time so to speak and you know they're they're kind of like so for example the european um gymnastic federation okay they um the top guy bought in on it and so we go into these venues and the people that actually are over the arena or over the venue itself are like, no, 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 you can't climb on that. No, you can't do that. You can't do this, can't do that. And because we have Fareed, you know, in our, yeah. you know, having our back, we're like, hey, sorry, we can, you know? Yeah. And it's been really fun <laughs> to be a little bit of a rebel again and say, uh, 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 yeah. We can do it, you know, and because we and were rebels early. Oh my gosh! And go. And a lot of times we didn't actually. We were paid by the. I was paid by the Spurs in the beginning, but I didn't work for them. I was just uh, whatever department I was in would be called in-game entertainment. The third parties that they hire to sell popcorn or, or raffle tickets or coyote. Or whatever. So I didn't really work for them. You were contracted? Off, not in the beginning. You were so, no, no. I mean, that I mean you were like a like a contracted, oh, yeah. you know, outside. Beginning. I was like a ninja performer. Yeah, they just brought me in to do my thing. It was great because we'd often they'd often ask me to as it progressed and matured, they'd say we want you to sit in on a pregame meeting, or whatever. And they'd give me a syllabus and I would look at it. Now I'm used to painting a mouse with oh. a paper clip. I mean, oh. I'm used to doing my own thing <laughs> at this point. So I'm looking at their syllabus going, um, no, not likely. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure I'd enjoy <laughs> that too much. Just thinking much of myself that they think this is how the game's going to go. And it could be drastically different. So oftentimes I do my own things knowing it wasn't exactly what they had planned, but it ended up being super funny. So they couldn't say anything, but they couldn't 
call me into any room and dress me down or anything because I didn't work for them in the first place. And they knew I could just say at $25 a game, I would say, if you want to get somebody else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> be, be, be my guest. But the what beauty of it is, is we went from sort of adversaries or at least people that are working definitely separately to, like you said, you find one person all of a sudden that has your back and that person becomes a key figure in that organization. And then as the years go on, all of a sudden you're working together with their total support. And oh, that's just a freedom that you, you have to earn. I, I, I hope people listen to that. If you didn't catch that really rewind, because that is so important. And I've, I've talked with several people uh, lately about that, and uh, a lot of lot of lot of new guys, a lot of um, up and comers, I guess, are, are impatient with that, and yeah. they want the respect, they want the cohesive, you know, work together thing now, and you know, and sometimes you don't have anybody in your corner. Sometimes it is an uphill battle and you've got, you got no one there. You've got a position, you know? And there's a, that brings up another great point, which you had a lot of experience with is early on, we would, we've talked about how we've learned to improvise very quickly and could make a significant impact on our quick wittedness after a while. But we also had to learn that with this, we'll call it stand-up comedy that we we're doing or improvisational theater, there's a time and a place. So for example, you could do that one bit you did with the bow and arrow that didn't go anywhere. If you'd have done that a couple quarters later after Kiss Me Cam, when all of a sudden, instead of Isaac Newton, they were thinking about Cupid, and then you had the bow, it might have played a little better. Timing is really important. Or so the if that referee got, had made some bad calls yes. and you just oh, happened yeah. to be like, whoops. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Timing is everything. But it was the mascots had to learn. It wasn't just the organizational, the sports organizations had to learn about mascots. Mascots had to learn about sports organizations too. And if there's a, big promotion going on on the court that's sponsored by the largest grocery store chain in the region. And it's up there on the Jumbotron uh, getting their money's worth. And then you come out on the court and start chucking the ball backwards and make a half court shot. Okay, you made a great shot, but that wasn't the time. You don't want to distract from the number one sponsor of the or there are times and there are times. Yeah. And that's when as you mature as a mascot, you learn to pick your spots and call your shots. But you're willing to stay in the back when it's not your time yeah. at center stage. Right. And some mascots, like you said, they're a little impatient. They want to be out there. And every time they have to, it's all about me. Now, it, you end up 
learning to become much more of a team player as you age. Yeah. So Tim, I want to switch gears just a little bit here and uh, tell about a certain trip we went on. So fun. Um, you, you took several, several trips south of the border there just because you're right there. And I remember one of them <laughs> in particular, and, and, and I learned a few lessons from you traveling south of the border first and foremost, get your money now, get your yeah. cash now. <clears throat> when you get off the plane, get your cash yes. in cash. And then once you get to the hotel, find a really good place to hide it. Uh, that was one. And then I, uh, it, I remember walking into a indoor bullfighting arena with you with our, we found a dress, a, a dressing room. It felt like a cave, like they had just built it into the side of a mountain or something. It was all stone and it smelled like, uh, gosh, pirates of the Caribbean. And hieroglyphics on the wall. Right. Right. <laughs> Old chalk drawings from the 200 BC. From when it used to be a prison. And yeah, <laughs> right and we go in there and there's there's birds there's bats there's stuff flying around up there i mean there's like there's like i don't know some kind of netting up there with i don't know what that was all for but it's all kind of ripped and hanging it, it really felt like a something out of a movie it was it was really scary and and on the dirt of this bullfighting arena they had laid planks plywood and then a basketball court on top of that and then there was an actual wooden path like a plywood path out yeah. to <laughs> out I, to the court do you remember this no well the honest answer is i don't but the the reason is that type of environment was not that uncommon the further south we entertained. I remember it wasn't with you. I was doing something with Grant Hill somewhere where I was supposed to close the show with dunks. And the stage was only um, 15 feet long. So there's no way you could get a run to hit the tramp. Were you there? No. So I we what we did was wait 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 them. yes 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 we had well i mean this is the way the story ends up in my head but no go ahead go ahead to, I think I there was saying. a truck parked next to the stage the the stage was elevated and you, and i think you and i noticed like oh wait a minute that's that truck's pretty much as high as the stage we'll just put another truck behind that truck and we'll just run truck to truck to stage to tramp <laughs> to dunk. And we ended up doing it that way. That's and so right. it was like, we were like Tom Cruise and Fur. <laughs> doing our own stunts. Oh, and then funny. I remember once. And, you, think, you know, and it's 120 degrees. Yes. You think, uh, if you think three minutes isn't a very long time, then I, I would tell the person whoever's saying that three minutes isn't a long time has never one has never wrestled because if you wrestle, I think the periods are three minutes by the end of the three minutes, you, 
you can barely lift. You're so much lactic acid in your body. It's just, all right. Now put that in a mascot suit. We, you and I had a, we'll call it seven minute halftime show. So there's, oh, I'll be, to put it lightly, there are at least 20,000 sets of eyes watching just you and I, and we've got seven minutes where we have the language barrier that can't say anything. There's uh, no, it's just an empty basketball. No, com no, co no communication the with the DJ, with the, with the no, announcer, yeah. with that. There are dogs running on the court at this time. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's fantastic to think that we'd ever, have an opportunity to even try to endure this. So I, I do my first dunk. I'm not that great a dunker. You're a, you were better than I was, but neither of us were world caliber. That, that wasn't our, our, our stick was comedy, not necessarily gymnastics or whatever. We could just do a lot of everything and not any one thing great. Right, right, right. I would hope you'd agree. Absolutely. So you and I wanted to be funny for the next seven minutes, but we knew we had to do it dunking. So we were already a little bit like, oh, we can't can't use our best stuff, but we're going to get through this because we want to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> and I do my first dunk, which is just a warm-up, get-loose dunk. Right. And then I have a little hole that I look at in the coyote's head as i'm walking back down the court i see you begin your second dunk and then you stop halfway and you you reach down to the court and you pick up a little piece of imaginary dust with your fingers like oh man that was gonna ruin my whole dunk i'm glad i found that <laughs> which you and i know is a bit you're doing it in every city every night but what we're thinking is like Excellent, because that that ate up twenty seconds. Now we only have six minutes and forty seconds left. That's I mean, that what I called active recovery <laughs> time. Exactly. I got to get some breath back here. So then I see you whisk by my head while I'm walking to the other end because you're just doing the regular dunk just to get loose too, and because we don't our best stuff. We got to save to last. We can't let it out early because even our best stuff isn't, neither of us are flipping a whole lot at this point. No. And all of a sudden I turn to start my second dunk and I look and I can't find you anywhere on the court. So I thought, okay, maybe he's sitting in the front row because I've had uh, assistants before that actually went to hit on girls during the halftime show because he figured I'd be okay. And he's sitting there <laughs> with his arm around. It's like, oh. So I look around still, no Ken Solomon. And I thought, okay. And then I look beyond the basket and there's a ramp. It was a- This a, is in a, Guadalajara, Mexico, by the way. Yes. Yeah, this is in Guadalajara, Mexico. We were on the Magic Johnson and his team, yeah. you know, touring Mexico. So here we are. I have, we have six minutes and 40 seconds left in our halftime. 
And there you are up at the back of the ramp with your head off a little bit. And I'm thinking, wow, Ken would never do that unless something happened. Maybe he broke a strap or something in his head where it was really unstable. He just needs a second to do a, like an Indianapolis 500 pit stop. He'll be, he'll be right back. So I do my second dunk and then I glance back to where you are. And all of a sudden they're loading you into an ambulance at the top of the ramp. <laughs> and you either broke your shoulder or did something to your shoulder. Both. I, I dislocated it and broke it and it was still out. And you still performed in London the next day, I think, because you wanted the money. Yep. Three days later, I was in two days later. Two days later, I was yeah. dunking in London. Yeah. But I had six minutes and 40 seconds now of just me in Mexico. And I was as dying. A dunker. I felt so bad. I'm like, I got to get back out there, but I couldn't get my arm to no. like go down. It was just <laughs> stuck up. And again, as a, the performer in me or in us is never like, ooh. This, I, I'll just have to quit. It, I'm sure it was just like, okay. So I'm by myself. Okay, there's no mouse. There's no paint. There's no paperclip. Okay, I've got six minutes and 30 seconds. So I start improving with the crowd and throwing in, you know, we have that other Rolodex of yep. fur coat in the second row. I mean, we're, we could always find somebody where you hug them and, um, be sweet to them and then grab the purse and walk away uh, like as if you're stealing their purse. I could do that. I had six minutes and 40 seconds of material, but man, if I hadn't that, they'd have been throwing coins real yeah. quick. Oh yeah, man. I'm and sorry about your shoulder though. Oh, um, that was a, that was a rough, that was a Just rough Just landed one. wrong? So on that one, I run down there. I'm going to do just a simple reverse. I'm just, whoop. but yeah. you remember that um, we were, I think we were traveling. Yeah. I think we had brought our own trampoline, but they were providing the mats. So I go off our trampoline and do a reverse. And as, you know, and I felt good. I, I was like, yeah, I got, you know, I got this. As I grabbed the rim, somehow I dislocated my left shoulder. As I'm swinging down, trying to hang on, you know, I knew something was wrong with my shoulder, but I can't really hang on. So as I'm, I'm, I'm coming down, I had to let go at one point. So I'm reaching with my toe, my right, I'm both of my toes for that mat. Yeah. Well, my right oh. one catches, my right toe catches, but my left one swings way back. So all of a sudden I'm going down into the splits. So as I impact into this small mat that they had, I mean, the thing was only had max four inches. I mean, we shouldn't have even been dunking with a mat like that, but with, Hey, wild West, man, you just do it. You just go. Well, caught that mat hyper extended my right knee. Cause I'm in the splits now that, that foot is, that yeah. foot is way out here and my right hip sublexed. It slipped out, dislocated. But as I fell over onto it, it 
pop back in. I'm like, what is happening? All this in 10 seconds. All this, yeah. So then I go to get up and I can't move my arm. It's out. My shoulder is out. So I'm literally holding it and I roll up on my right elbow and get to my knees, which my right knee is killing me. My hip is killing me. And I'm like, I have got to escape. That's when I just turned and I'm like, started heading up that long tunnel. And everybody's like, where is he going? Yeah. Yeah, Is this part of the bit? Is this it? And I'm, as I'm holding my arm out in front of me, running up this ramp and everything, get up there. And luckily Magic Johnson's, well, not luckily, because it doesn't even matter. She couldn't do anything. Um, Both his um, trainer and his massage therapist were there and they laid me on a table as they're calling the ambulance another somebody else is calling an ambulance they're laying me on a table trying to pull on my arm and get it to go back in the socket they couldn't do it so on when the ambulance showed up it was about the end of your routine out there i'm going into the back of this box truck it was not an ambulance it was a box truck that they called an ambulance with a wooden bench Yeah, the the ambulance was was spray painted on the side of it, I'm sure. And there was a wooden bench in the back. And I laid on this wooden bench. My assistant at the time, young guy, they said, you can't ride in the ambulance. But here you can ride in the uh, in the police truck. Because the ambulance didn't have (laughs) sirens and lights. So the police truck led us to the hospital with my assistant standing in the back of the truck holding on to the roll bar at that the light bar standing <laughs> in the back of this police truck <laughs> yeah and we, we could tell 15 stories not unlike that one of all equal magnitude and they would all involve entertaining where there's a language barrier or you can't get the props that you need and the yes. facilities are a little less than perfect making stuff but up i would argue as much turmoil and as physical pain as you felt in that one dunk i felt the equal amount of pain having to do the next six minutes and 40 <laughs> seconds myself i felt so bad i felt so bad Oh man. And, and you know what is, is we, we got stuff stolen on that trip. It was just a rough one. Yep. And, and then luckily, okay, luckily I got my shoulder bandaged the next, you know, that night we get back, we're supposed to perform in Chihuahua the next night. Yeah, I'm like, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm No, no, no. Remember, we went over to Chihuahua. We went over yeah. there and no Magic Johnson. Ah, that's where he Remember? bailed. Yeah. yeah. He bailed. They, were, they had lost that game. It was a bad night for everybody, including Magic Johnson. Yeah. So they lost oh, that yeah, game. Oh, yeah, we had stuff stolen. Yeah. We had stuff stolen. It, it was your camera or something. Yeah. And so we get to Chihuahua and they're like, yeah, no game tonight i'm like thank you because there's no way i could do anything with the pain in the shoulder so we flew back 
we, yeah. you know, we took our, our, the next day we, you know, we hung out by the pool that day, but then we went, we flew back into Houston, I believe. And from Houston, I went to London to go put on a week show of dunking there. And, oh, I wrapped that shoulder up and luckily I was right-handed so I could yeah. hold the ball in front of me with both hands, but then I would go up take that and wham, <laughs> over. Oh, I could even do a between the legs dunk. So I could go off, pass it underneath my leg and dunk with my right. Yes. But you know, they told me that I didn't break it in Guadalajara. They said, Oh yeah, it's just, it, it's fine. You know, it'll just heal. It's some ligaments or whatever. No, I get home. I, t I go to my doctor and he's like, Oh my gosh, come on. Your ligament pulled bone off. It's broken. There's pieces in there. You're all messed up. I'm like, how did they miss this? You were <clears throat> in Guadalajara, right? Okay. So yeah. yeah. Oh, Crazy. I, wild West. <laughs> the wild, wild West. So let me ask you one quick question before, uh, cause we're, we're kind of Getting lengthy on time here. I want, I, but this is so great. I love catching up like this. But I got to ask you this question, okay? So you've got highlight tapes galore. If you had to pick out something out of that highlight video, going back in time, a lot of them that are just entertaining and went over so well that you want to almost have that little bit of video on your tombstone or mm. just an example of your work, that kind of thing. Back in the uh, early days, you weren't allowed to mess with the referees at all. You just weren't supposed to go there. Yep. Well, I came up with, I don't know if you ever knew, I came up with a 14 inch by 18 inch piece of foam core and had a little picture of the coyote with the ref on it. Mm -hmm. And I took the foam core. Remember, you're not supposed to interact with the refs. Right. But I don't work for the Spurs at this point. Or if I do, I haven't been for very long. I took this piece of foam core back into the referee's dressing room before each game. Because you're not even supposed to know who the refs are mm -hmm. on a particular night. Because you don't want any kind of betting. Right, right, right who's calling who and that, that, but I would just go back there and I would get the refs autographs before the game and just told them that I was collecting. I wanted to get an autograph from every ref in the league. I did not care about getting the referee signatures, although I still have them downstairs in my basement. I will pick those, but I just wanted to meet the guys before the game, have them get to meet me and start a little rapport because mm -hmm. by the third time you went back there to get their autograph, you were saying, Hey, how's Betty? How's your wife? How's you doing? You know, did yeah, you yeah, get yeah. moved in? And how, Oh, how's your hamstring? And we just developed relationships. Then all of a sudden I, the coyote started, could do stuff with NBA refs. I mean, the, NBA didn't want me to, the Spurs didn't want me to, but the refs were like, hey, by the way, before you leave, if you need anything tonight or you need me to do anything, and then I'd say, oh, 
Well, if you want to, you could just make sure you're standing right here during the second timeout of the first quarter. And then I would just take care of it. But then gradually I'd ask them more and more and more. Right. And pretty soon we were interacting because they trusted me. And they knew I wouldn't kick them when they're down, that kind of thing. So there was a ref, Dick Bavetta. Dick Bavetta. Who was a friend of mine. And by that point, with all the autographs. And Rocky had just come out the movie. And I had these huge big boxing gloves that said one said go and one said spur spurs so it was go spurs go you could just go spurs go you could do that forever and ever and so i thought okay i asked dick Bavetta before the game he said can i do anything for you and i was like oh as a matter of fact tonight you can there's this movie come out called rocky i'd just like you to go over to the press table during the timeout, during the second timeout, just stand there and put your hands behind your back. And he was like, okay, for you, Tim, I'll do it. And I said, my assistant's gonna just tie a boxing glove onto your right hand. And it was just a little flimsy plastic, no padding, flimsy plastic Toys R Us boxing glove. Mm -hmm. And I said, Dick, I'm gonna come over to you and give you the business, like I'm all, tough guy with these big gloves and then I'm gonna you don't do anything just stand there stoically and then when I brush you off with my gloves and make this motion just brushing you off I want you to hit me in in just hit me as hard as you possibly can and he's like yeah how hard as I can yes just because I'm all fur yeah. with the kind of his head and I've already rehearsed whipping my head to the side and flying my body. It's going to be golden. And you're you know? thinking, he's probably right-handed, so he's going to come yep, up. Yep, I've got uh, the angle down and everything. Yep, yep, yep. So I give him the business. He's acting stoic. The crowd's really getting into it. I, I brush him off a little bit. And then he just, his face turned into this, the meanest Chuck Norris <laughs> face you've ever seen. And he did the straightest right jab. He didn't do the roundhouse punch that I was expecting. He did a straight jab right into the coyotes, where the coyote looks out with his eyes, which is just a little piece of neoprene plastic. Yeah. Didn't hit the coyote's face at all. He put his fist right in the coyote's mouth and immediately just broke my nose just shattered it broke his finger blood started immediately coming out out of the head onto the court my assistant walked by and he he doesn't he doesn't talk to the coyote because you know the coyote doesn't talk so he just walked by and i could hear him under his breath going i'll get the trainer and broke my nose broke his finger and then for the rest of the game Every time he walked over to the press table to call a foul or whatever, the Spurs personnel and play-by-play -play announcers would duck like as if they were afraid he was going to hit them too. <laughs> it became a whole bit. And he, he got the nickname Dick Boom Boom Bavetta. And around <laughs> the league, 
<laughs> around the league, there was like, oh, Tim Dirk gotten in a huge fight with a referee. They hate each other. And this is just, oh, this is so, and it, he and I sent each other Christmas cards. It couldn't have been any more fun, but it was definitely a skit that went wrong. That kind of skit is, are, are my favorites. Yeah. But if you saw that bit, it would only be a 30 second little Rocky parody, but there's so many different layers to that onion. You could do that with so many different skits. Oh yeah. Yeah. So and so many hard. different skits could come off of that as well. You know, yeah. it's just, you know, <laughs> and if you're getting that kind of pub, well, then you strut out the next time, you know, the next game you come out with a, the robe on, you know, and chains and a posse, yeah. and a, you know, and you just. You but just it's just a delight to explain these kinds of things, or at least my vision of it. And I can, one, I can just tell. And two, it's fun to see it in your eyes because I know you have experienced the exact same thing. Later on in my career, I started to get noticed more and more. Um, maybe it was after I got sick or something, but people started lining up in the Denny's to get my autograph. And it start, the line started getting longer and longer. And I'm thinking, God, this is, you know, it's being real nice to everybody. It's like, uh, I, I don't get a chance. I'm not going to be able to eat this meal hot, but here we go. I just start signing. And then the, uh, we finish up and it, it kind of hit me. The guy that I was having dinner with that night, his name was Dr. John Muma. He's an ophthalmologist surgeon who uses a microscope to do eye surgery on kids and he volunteers he's not only a successful eye surgeon in san antonio but he often flies down to mexico to work on impoverished children so they can gain eyesight that they wouldn't normally have because they don't have the medical facilities that we do and it just hit me all these people are lining up to get my autograph because of my skit with Dick Boom Boom Bavetta or whatever. But these people, they, they don't have any idea that the guy that they should be asking for the autograph is the guy sitting across from me at dinner. And that's a way to say that I understand mascotting is not first responders or nurses or teachers, but it's amazing that it had as much impact as it did. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just so thankful to have that opportunity. Well, you're a good man. And I'll tell you, your talent and your outlook on life and your approach to things is really inspiring you do public speaking you're also still with the spurs and you know if you go to a spurs game you know that tim's behind the scenes now and you know so i mean that the fact that you're still involved and you know it, it i think it's such a blessing for the spurs 
and as well as that community down there. Well, and, we had fun, didn't we? Oh, man, yeah. we had so much fun. We were kind of like just artists that appreciated hanging around other artists. Yeah. And I just want you to know that you definitely are an artist. Well, I appreciate that. Hey, we'll wrap this up. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, y'all take care. It was awesome. I need my